if those were to be stripped away, would Christ really still be enough? Um, that's, a, that's a hard question. And, and I tell you what, as we drove down the road um, um, talking about it, we began to see that there were some things in our lives that we just, uh, if God were to come and take them away, like what happened to Job, you know, where he lost everything over a very short period of time, that in our sinful nature, in ourselves, we weren't sure that Christ was enough in our lives. And that revealed in us, of course, some idols and some things in our lives that um, maybe were more important than Christ in our lives. But uh, let me just be real honest. Um, I think that's a struggle all of us face, isn't it? That we always wonder maybe in the back of our minds, is Christ really enough for me? Or are other things... uh, things if he stripped away that we would have a hard time uh, living through or have a hard time um, continuing to live the Christian life through if they were be, to be taken from us. Um, these are, this, this is tough stuff. This, these are hard questions, you know, and, and God forbid that he would do to one of us what he did to Job, yeah? Uh, but, um, uh, <clears throat> but here what I wanted to point out to you is this morning some of the things that the that the scripture says about how we're supposed to find joy and happiness and delight in our lives. So in uh, Psalm 37, verse 4, it says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I don't know how, where you grew up. I don't know where you went to church, but I didn't hear a lot of sermons growing up about finding joy in God. I didn't fi- hear a lot of sermons about finding delight in him, you know? And so, you know, no one ever really talked about these kind of verses in the scriptures. But, you know, you flip through the Psalms very long and you can see over and over and over again that God is to be enjoyed. That our relationship to him is something that we're supposed to enjoy and take delight in and find happiness in, right? Um, Well, the funny thing is, is that the mindset of even most Christians today is, well, when I ask you, if I were to ask you, what do you enjoy or what what, what do you do in your life that makes you happy? probably the last thing that you're going to say is my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's probably we talk about all the things that are of this created earth. These are the things that I enjoy. I enjoy movies. I enjoy spending time with my family. I enjoy doing something at my job. I enjoy, uh, you know, a hobby. I enjoy reading books. I enjoy whatever it is. Uh, You know, I enjoy camping, whatever those are. But really, uh, in the end, this command is no less a command as the commands for us to obey God, right? is to, in Psalms, as it says, delight yourself in the Lord. It's a command, isn't it? Something that we're supposed to do is to delight ourselves in God. Um, we, and we know God's supposed to be feared and obeyed and devoted to, and he's supposed to be respected, and I'm supposed to you know, do what he says. But to, for God to be enjoyed by us sounds a little bit foreign to our minds. Uh, I, I think in our society and, and even in our Christian society that we're supposed to enjoy him. Uh, but again, it's, it's a command. Um, and, and here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of this is that we see our relationship with the Lord and being in the scriptures and being in prayer to him as our Christian duty and not something we enjoy. Yeah? Um, well, yeah, let's, let's press on. We've got a bunch more stuff to cover. Um, in Psalm 4, verse 7, it says, You have filled my heart with greater, with, I'm sorry, with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. What's this say? The psalmist is saying, You fill my heart with greater joy when, than when food's abundant and wine is overflowing. I have greater joy with you than the things of the, this earth, even when they're in abundance. I have greater joy 
uh, in my heart, fill, uh, greater joy with you. And uh, here's kind of the thing. Does anyone, has anyone read uh, St. Augustine's Confessions? Okay, let me add that to your reading list. That, you, you need to read that. Um, has anyone read uh, Desiring God, John Piper? Second in the series of things that you need to read. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of writing dating back to the third century about how somehow in the Christian life, that even back in, in, in uh, 3 and 400 AD, that, pe- that people were started doing things out of duty instead of doing things out of love for God, right? St. Augustine was one of those. We'll have some, I'll show you some quotes with him uh, there. But C.S. Lewis wrote about this, and John Piper's written about this, and Jonathan Edwards wrote about this. Uh, and some others that, that aren't coming to my mind, Blaise Pascal that we'll talk about here in just a moment. Um, all of these guys wrote about uh, this fear that Christianity was losing the joy of knowing God and replacing it with duty. I have to read my Bible. Why? Well, because I'm supposed to. I have to be in prayer to God. Why? Well, because I have to. But if you're really, if you're missing out and delighting in God and enjoying him, uh, I think we're missing a huge part of what being a Christian is about. Blaise Pascal, the, well, let me stop before that. The truth is that all of us are looking for happiness. All of us are looking for joy. You know, we do things because we enjoy them, right? Right. No matter what you do, if you like to fish, if you like to boat, if you, if you like to hike, if you like to camp, if you like to read books, why do you do them? Because you enjoy them. It directs our activities. The things that we enjoy directs our lives. It's the things that we enjoy that drives us, right? Uh, Blaise Pascal said this, All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some to go to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended in different views. That The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves, Blaise Pascal. All men seek happiness. He says this is without exception. Um, Augustine would write stuff like this. He, he saw the Christian life as a, as a relentless pursuit of the quest for the fullest joy, the greatest joy that mankind could find in God. Um, he said the whole life of a good Christian is a holy desire. Yeah, that the, the greatest thing that we can have in our lives, the, the whole life of a Christian is to, is to burn with a holy desire for God and, and for his presence in our lives. That's the, the, the whole life of a Christian, he would say. In other words, the key to a Christian living is a thirst and a hunger for God. Uh, St. Augustine wrote this, O Lord, that I may love you freely, for I can find nothing more precious. Turn not away your face from me that I might find what I seek. Turn not aside in anger from your servant, lest in seeking you I run towards something else. You hear what St. Augustine's saying? He said, Lord, don't turn away from me in your anger because I'm afraid if you do that, I'm going to go look for, I'm going to go seek for other things to fulfill that, that need for joy and happiness and desire in my life. But, but let me first seek you freely. Let me seek after you freely. Um, and, uh, yeah, just incredible, incredible writing from very, very early in, in Christian, in church history. One of, the main pre, pe, one of the main reasons that people don't understand or experience the awakening of sovereign joy, this is also from St. Augustine, is that their hunger and thirst for God is too small. Yeah. Uh, if I were to ask you what things you really, in your life, you really crave, you really desire, what is it that you really want in your life, uh, I'm afraid it's a lot of created things. 
and maybe God's way, 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 way down on the list, right? That we don't really have a desire in our hearts for him. We don't really have a desire to be in prayer or meditation or journaling or, 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 or reading the scriptures because we really want to, because Jesus said, of course, the greatest command is this, that we what? Love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. With all of your being, you love him. But I'm afraid in Christianity, we've made so much of that stuff a duty that we forgot the whole reason that we're supposed to do those things is because we love and desire and hunger and thirst for God. Yeah. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote this. If there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, then I submit this notion. C.S. Lewis was an incredibly, incredibly uh, intelligent guy and very hard to read. You know, he wrote <laughs> at a level that most of us don't read at. But I submit this, that this notion is no part of the Christian faith. Okay, what's he saying? I, he said, I submit to you that if all you're concerned about is, is putting away your desires and putting away the things that you love, he said, this notion has no basis in Christianity. He said, we're supposed to have desire and hunger and thirst the problem is that we take it to the wrong place. But anyway, uh, he says we're supposed to have this desire for our own good and, and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment uh, because he says then, indeed, if we consider the unblemishing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Right? C.S. Lewis, basically, what do you say? He says, basically, we're so caught up in the things of this world that we've forgotten what great, amazing enjoyment we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, in what we have in the gospel, what we have in the revelation of the gospel, in relationship with Jesus Christ, all the things that we've done, all the things that, that Jesus Christ has earned for us, all the things that he's done for us, and yet we, we mess around with other things as though they were more important. Yeah. Philippians chapter 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Psalm 32 says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. Our problem is that we think that we find joy in anything and everything else but him. That's yeah, our problem. Would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 16? Let's jump into here into uh, Psalm 16. This is one of David's psalms, one of the things that he wrote. One of the things, one of the psalms that he wrote. All right, Psalm 16. Would you read along with me silently as I read this? Starts with this, says, he says, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Did you hear that? Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is my, all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their name on my lips. What does he say about chasing other gods? It comes with sorrow. In verse 5, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. 
Notice the word delight again. I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave nor let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to, you have made it known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Incredible psalm. I have no good thing apart from you, and you will fill me with joy. Where? Oh, have I lost you? You you will fill me with joy. Where? In your presence, right? At the presence of God, David says, I find great joy. And then he says, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. It's not because God has brought all these things into my life that I find great great joy, but because I found God and can sit in his presence that I found the great joy of my life. I tell you, what I think the problem is, is for us, we have this sinful nature that is looking for joy in anything and everything but God. And can I tell you, we're all born with that. It's, a, it's part of the sinful nature is that we're looking for happiness. We're looking for significance. We're looking for joy in anything but God because of the sinful nature in us. But the psalmist who had found God, the psalmist who knew God said, I find great joy in your presence. Yeah. In fact, he calls them eternal pleasures. How about that? Incredible words. Things that you don't expect to find in in the Bible, right? People who live outside of Christianity think it's all about duty anyway, right? Uh, We shouldn't uh, shouldn't encourage that. Uh, It's all about loving Christ uh, because he taught us to love him. That was the greatest thing we could do. So let me break some myths for you. God is to be enjoyed and the Christians are, should be the most joyous people in all of the earth, not because they have so much great stuff, but because they have been reconciled and know the greatest and most precious thing and person in the universe. We've been reconciled to God, and we can know him, and we can find great joy and great pleasure in his presence. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, let, me, let me say one other thing. When you and I get to the place, when you get to the place that you desire God, that you desire to be in his presence, when you desire to be in his word, to learn more about him, to meditate on his word, that, that you can't wait to be in his presence and, and, and to pray to him or to journal or, or to sing and worship him, when you're at that place, it is a miracle of the Holy Spirit's work in your life, isn't it? Because everything else in our heart, all of our sinful nature turns away from all of that and says, I will seek anything else but God. But when God comes and breaks and begins to put that seed of, of his spirit and, and that faith and that love in, a, in our lives, and we begin to turn and say, but wait a minute, there's joy and there's pleasure in knowing him. There's been incredible, miraculous change in our hearts in our lives, and it's the work of the Holy Spirit turning us and changing us to be able to see that it is in God that we can find fullness of joy and happiness and delight and pleasure. It is in fullness of his presence. Amen? All right, so let me tell you, we are all sitting there today thinking, wow, joy in God's presence, like I'm supposed to get up in the mornings and look forward to my quiet time? Yes, yes, that is true. 
And when you don't feel it, when you don't desire him, it is the sinful nature in you that is very much alive in me, that is alive in you, that battles against that and says, let us find our joy somewhere else. Let us find significance some other place. Let us go look some other place because the enemy and the, the sinfulness, the darkness that still resides in us, uh, that, that stuff is still wars against us uh, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah? So what, do, what are we to do? You know, it's like, the, it's like Romans 7 where Paul says, well, what a wretched man am I, you know, that I, that I can't, you know, what, how am I supposed to dredge up uh, feelings of, of, of devotion and, and joy and desire to be in God's presence? Um, George Mueller prayed something like this, says, uh, when I wake up, fill me or else I will step out with my vacancies and use people to try to meet my needs. Let me stop there for just a minute. You hear what he's saying? He says, I have these vacancies. I have this emptiness inside of me. And if I wake up, Lord, and you're not there to fulfill me, I'm looking for other people. I'm looking for other things to fill those voids or those vacancies or that emptiness in my life. Do you hear what he's saying? Are you tempted this way? Everyone nod your head. Yes, you are. Yes, yes, we are, right? Yeah, right. This is just like it's uh, Jeremiah chapter 2. You remember where, where Jeremiah is talking to the Israelites and he said, you have forsaken the living God for broken cisterns that won't hold water, right? You remember that, Jeremiah chapter 2? All right, look it up later. Jeremiah chapter 2, he says, basically, he says, you guys are looking to have your needs met everywhere else, anywhere else but God. And he says that the heavens should be appalled at your behavior. Wow. Of all the things that heavens might be appalled at, wow, really, that, that we're, not, we're looking for somewhere else to have our needs met other than God. Yeah, yeah, this is serious stuff. Okay, but anyway, George Mueller played, prayed, when I wake up, fill me, or else I will step out in my vacancies with my vacancies and use people to try to meet my needs. I don't want to do that to them, and I don't want to live that way. I must have you. I must feast on you. You're the satisfaction of my soul. Then my soul overflows to bless other people. Listen, what I'm talking about here, I, I feel too. I feel that great need for significance or that great need for joy or desire or whatever. I feel that great need and, and that, I, that in my human nature, I'm reaching for it in other people. Right? You remember in John, in, uh, John chapter 4, uh, Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman, and in the middle of talking to her, what's he talking to her about? About being thirsty, right? They meet at a well. It's an ordained place and time by God. They meet at a well, and he tells her, you're a thirsty woman. You, you are a thirsty woman, and if you drink of the water I give you, you will never thirst again, Right? Because she's been taking this great need, these great vacancies and emptiness that she has in her lives, and she's been trying to fulfill it through men. And she's gone from one man to the next, to the next, to the next, and in the end, they never fulfill her. And Jesus says, what? Stop being so thirsty. No. He says, you're taking a legitimate need, and you're trying to meet it in an illegitimate way, and it's not working for you. He says, you take your thirst and he never gets on to her for being thirsty because why? We were created with a void, right? That's what Blaise Pascal said. We were created with a hole in our lives. It's what the donut man said. Amen, Jamie? My kids still sing the donut man from Jamie teaching them in Sunday school. They still sing the song. Yeah, we all have a hole in the middle of our hearts, right? That's what the donut man said. And Blaise Pascal, they actually very similar. In, in <laughs> yeah, 
we all have a hole in the middle of our hearts. <clears throat> but, but he, and he never gets on to her, never tells her, you stop being so needy, you stop being so thirsty. Instead, he says, you come to me to have that thirst quenched, and you will never thirst again. Amazing stuff, isn't it? He never tells her, stop being so thirsty. He never tells her that. He tells her, you come to me uh, because you're not white. And you know what happens? That woman comes and she worships Jesus and she brings her whole town to meet this man who told her everything she ever did, who understood her, got her life, understood where she was going and what she was all about, was trying to get this thirst quenched in her. And he said, you come to me to get your thirst quenched and you'll never thirst again. That's amazing stuff, isn't it? Incredible stuff. All right. So here's my call for you this week. When you wake up in the morning, you may or may not have any desire to meet with God in the morning, right? Right? Uh, maybe you're having a good day. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the, the work of the Holy Spirit has been so good to, to you that day that, that you're really feeling it. You're really in tune with what God is doing. Or maybe you're really sleepy and you'd rather do anything but get up any earlier than you have to, right? That never happens to you, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. But when you get up in the morning, would you just pray like George Mueller would pray? Would you say, Lord God, I have to have you. I must have you today. And I don't really get even what that maybe means to me today. I don't really get what all I need. I'm not even sure what my emptiness and my vacancies, I'm not even sure that, you know, how big they are or where they are. I don't even get all of that, but I need you today. Would you meet with me? Would you show me the joy of being in your presence? Would you show me those pleasures uh, at your right hand? Would you show me what it's like to be fulfilled by being in, in relationship with you? And can I tell you, the first day, it'll seem really odd. The second day, it'll seem a little less odd. But by the time you've done this for a long, long period of time, you're going to begin to see the things that Blaise Pascal and St. Augustine and C.S. Lewis and the psalmist David wrote about to say, you know, when I look for God to fulfill me, I find that he's abundantly more than I ever needed. Amen? Let me try to give you a really practical example. When you wake up in the morning, if the only thing that you can say to God, if the only place that you know where to start is, Lord, you have shown me more grace and you've overcome sin in my life so much so that no matter wh how I, what I do from this point forward, it is forgiven by you, by the work of the cross. Would you just, Lord, would you just show me? Would you just teach me? Would you just help me remember and reflect and to pray and to confess to you to say, Lord, I'm so grateful that you've taken away my sin. And there in that time, in that moment of when you were in great need to have your sin covered, to have your sin taken away from you uh, at the time that you came to Jesus Christ, you're going to remember the joy of your salvation. Does that sound familiar? And so much, there's so much grace for that part, but that's not the end of our Christian walk, is it? There's joy in knowing God. There's joy in having him guide every step and every, every, every path that we walk along the way that we find that over and over again, he's abundant and he's faithful and he's good to us, right? Like the, like the writer of Hebrews said, that, that this is faith. This is faith that you must believe. That faith is that you must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who seek him. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. Yeah, that's an incredible thing. And listen, and when you do that, you're going to find every time that he has the ability 
to bless you and to give you greater joy than, uh, than you ever needed. Amen? Uh, that's our God. He is the most precious thing. He is the most majestic. He is the great satisfier. Uh, he is the one. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together, and we thank you for opening up your scriptures, Father. We thank you for the psalmist. We thank you for David, who was a man after God's own heart, because he understood that this world has a lot of counterfeits. This world has a lot of things that we may go and try to, try to find our significance or try to find joy or, or happiness in those things. Whenever, Lord God, we're supposed to find those things first in you. And it's not that those things are bad. It's not that having a family is bad. It's not that enjoying your, your time with your family is bad. They're supposed to be enjoyed. But, Lord God, when we're looking everywhere else but you, then we're not loving you with our heart, soul, and mind and strength. So, Lord, do the work of your Holy Spirit in us. Do that miracle in us, Lord God, that we might, might find great joy and pleasure in knowing you. Lord, I pray that you would help us. And, and uh, there are going to be days that we don't look forward to meeting you just because of the brokenness in us. But, Lord God, we do pray for those days that we do look forward to you. And, Lord, I pray for all of us this week we would wake up and say, Lord, I must have you. Before anything else, I must have you. You must fill me. You must fulfill me. You must fill those vacancies and those voids and that emptiness in my life because if not, I'll look for someone else to do it. And that's not right. So Lord, fill us, I pray. Fill us with joy. Fill us with significance, Lord, in knowing you, I pray. Revolutionize, Lord God, our quiet time that we may be different, that we may look at you and approach you differently than we have before, looking forward to and finding joy in meeting with you. We ask, uh, we ask this by the power of your spirit because, Lord, we can't conjure this up. We can't keep this up in ourselves. It's got to be a work of your Holy Spirit. It's got to be you at work in us so that we might find joy in you. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen.